Hello everyone and welcome to Brixton. I'm Ed, a local historian, and I'm joined by my mate Ben, who's a DJ and music journalist. We both grew up here, so we're pretty excited to show you around. For sure, Brixton is a cool place. I'll get to introduce some of the iconic music that was either born or developed here, from reggae to punk and now modern day rap and electronic music. And Ed's here to give it some historical context, especially when it comes to race and riots. Why don't you kick us off? Sounds good. Well, Brixton is actually a relatively new neighbourhood. There are no traces of people living here until around 200 years ago. It was a small farm village until trains linked it to London around the 1870s, and pretty quickly, it became a very wealthy area. This church we're standing by now was actually the first church in Britain with electric lights. It's weird that they chose somewhere like Brixton, not Kensington or Chelsea. <laughs> Shows how fancy it was back in the day. Yeah, you're right, but this all changed during World War II. It was heavily bombed, which led to a housing crisis, and this area became pretty destitute. The big turning point, however, was in the 50s, and the wave of immigrants that came with it. Brixton became home to a lot of people from the West Indies, who brought a new culture here. Many people say that marked the start of multicultural Britain. And even today, nearly a quarter of Brixton's population is of Afro-Caribbean descent. Yeah, 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 but it hasn't always been an easy ride. My grandparents were part of that wave, known as the Windrush Generation, they faced a lot of racism from the National Front and even the police. They found it hard to get jobs, leading to poverty, crime and eventually riots, a word that is synonymous with Brixton. Absolutely right. Brixton has been at the centre of UK's race and culture wars for the past 60 years. Yeah, a lot of important music has been made about the issues surrounding Brixton. Most people would have heard of the Clash's track Guns of Brixton. The song combined their usual punk music with dub and reggae, inspired by Brixton's Caribbean culture. Two of the band members, Mick Jones and Paul Simonon, grew up in Brixton, and they sang about the neighbourhood's issues like tension with the police. It's almost like they predicted the riots when they sang, you know, you can crush us, you can bruise us, but you'll have to answer to, oh, guns of Brixton. <laughs> have a listen. Very good, Ben. But... I wouldn't associate punk with reggae, necessarily. Well, there are some similarities between the artists of punk and dub or reggae. Many of them felt like outcasts, fighting against the establishment, and they found common ground. The genres started to merge. Artists like Bob Marley came to London and met some of the punk artists like The Clash, and Marley even wrote a song called Punky Reggae Party. Now, modern-day punk and reggae still have links with each other, something that's still reflected in Brixton's current lineup of concerts and gigs. Brixton was a catalyst for those genres merging, with so many Afro-Caribbeans in the same place as famous punk rock venues like The Fridge, which used to stand in place of Electric Brixton. Ben, can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, sure. See, the building was originally the Palladium Picture House, a cinema playing silent movies built around 100 years ago. Later on, it became a music venue and nightclub, The Ace with The Clash and The Smiths playing there, before becoming The Fridge in 1985. It was the largest club in London and had artists like the Pet Shop Boys, Grace Jones and Soul to Soul who launched their career there. People would have to dress glamorously or outrageously to get in and the building was decorated in the same way with some strange dead cats hanging from the ceiling. Well, fake ones, I hope. <laughs> I hope so, mate, hopefully. Electric Brixton started as a gig venue and it's still painted in gold, possibly to carry on the glamorous style, but thankfully with less dead cats. So, dead cats and outrageous clothes, is that what punk's all about then? <laughs> well, I mean, well, that's part of it. 
but it's also linked with a movement called New Romantic. I'll tell you about them as we walk towards Windrush Square. Now, Windrush Square is the big square at the end of the park, to the right of the big monument. So, back to punks and New Romantics. Both movements occurred in the 70s and 80s and were very anti-mainstream culture and anti-authority. Punk was quite aggressive rock music trying to cause an outrage, like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. New Romantic was a bit more upbeat. They used synths a lot and it was, a, it was more dancey and they considered it a reaction to punk. People like Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet. They dressed glamorously and were known for their connection to gender fluidity in the LGBTQ plus movement. They were inspired by glam rock artists like Bowie. Who we'll get onto later. In the end, the movement self-destructed quite quickly, especially New Romantic, partially because they rejected the mainstream so much that as soon as any musicians and looks became popular, they went off it as it was too lamestream. <laughs> <laughs> it's also important to differentiate between the New Romantic and the New Wave scene that followed the downfall of the New Romantic scene. Both Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet were a lot more involved than the new wave from the 80s onward. Anyway, punks and new romantics were just two of the many musical tribes in Britain in the 70s and 80s. The country was very divided by race and politics, and this was echoed by the music of the time. Many groups were political and generally anti-establishment, either on the left, like the new romantics, or the right, like the skinheads. There were even subgenres like Nazi punk, but fortunately they didn't last too long. Although you've got to be careful. The skinhead movement initially started as an anti-fascist movement in conjunction with the union of punk, reggae and ska. They focused on working class solidarity and racial unity. We shouldn't spin all skinheads as being on the right. There were just as many on the political left. But the right started adopting the skinhead aesthetic from the 80s onwards. Also, as we're mentioning neo-Nazi punk, it's important to stress that most of the punk community were 100% against it, and it was never seen as mainstream at all. Absolutely right. But um, anyway, let's move away from the Nazis. Uh, as you rounded the church, I don't know if you noticed something a bit bizarre where the crypt should be. Oh, yes. Gremio de Brixton. Yes, a bar in the crypt under St Matthew's Church. He usually plays house music with a live saxophonist with cocktails and tapas, but it's previously housed nightclubs and DMZ nights run by Marlow and Koki, which laid the foundations for early dubstep music. We've had some pretty lively nights in there. <laughs> yes, we have. Previously, it was known as Mass, and it held Europe's biggest monthly fetish night called Torture Garden, which, as you can imagine, some of the local churchgoers weren't too happy about. God, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I wonder what Britain's ex-Prime Minister, John Major, would have thought of that. Incidentally, he got married in the church we just saw. So he did, yeah. Let's meet you in Windrush Square. Here we are, right in the heart of Brixton's community. The square was named to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Empire Windrush. Ben, at the start you said your grandparents were part of the Windrush generation. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So, the Windwash was a boat bringing hundreds of immigrants from the West Indies, particularly Jamaica, in 1948. It kick-started the arrival of around 500,000 people from the Commonwealth, who came to be known as the Windwash Generation. A lot of these people were put in temporary accommodation in Brixton, and Jamaican and Afro-Caribbean culture became a big part of Brixton's identity. Yeah, absolutely. Brixton is often compared to Harlem in New York with a thriving artistic scene and long history of protests and riots. Exactly. People kept arriving until 1971 when they changed the immigration laws. They gave everyone who arrived here before 1971 the right to stay, 
But there's recently been a huge scandal about this. A lot of these people were now being deported because the government didn't keep any records of who they'd given this right to, so people can't prove they're here legally. Yeah, it's absolutely shocking. People who have been part of the fabric of this community for 50 years are being deported. And the irony is that they were invited here after the Second World War as the country needed more workers. We know of at least 83 people being wrongly deported, but it could be a lot more. Luckily, some have managed to get media attention and get help, but not everyone has managed to get their story heard. Even now, you can find flyers posted onto trees and fences protesting this. As the name suggests, Windrush Square has become a symbolic place for the Afro-Caribbean community, and so it's become the setting for many protests, both about deportations and about people and local businesses being forced out by gentrification. These issues have been captured in songs by people like Geika, a Brixen-based rapper whose parents come from Jamaica and Grenada, and he discusses the alienation they feel, which is cemented by these deportations. Other issues like gentrification are dealt with by songs like Brixton Baby by T.Y., and in some drill music, a genre of aggressive rap that started in Brixton. Group 67 is one of my personal favourites. Actually, the UK drill genre didn't start in Brixton, but rather in Peckham. You can argue it started with Giggs and SM1, although Giggs has repeatedly hit back against the label and claims he is actually a part of the UK rap subgenre. It's also important to note how many people tie knife crime to the drill genre. You can find a bunch of articles and blog posts about this, stuff like the BBC's Does Drill Music Cause Crime? or Offer an Escape From It. For me, at least, drill gives artists a platform to voice and articulate themselves, helping to directly communicate their stance with their fans. Although some drill songs seem to encourage people to carry knives, so naturally there's going to be some consequences to that. Yeah, you could say the same about Hollywood films making it cool to carry guns. Guess it's down to the endless debate of art imitating life or life imitating art. It's up to you. Yeah, I suppose you're right, and it's quite a big issue to cover here, I suppose. If you are interested, though, please do your research. There are also a bunch of movements like hashtag knife free and Dwaynamics that are trying to steer at-risk youth away from gang culture, knife crime and gun violence. Anyway, back to Brixton's history. The Windrush generation brought reggae, ska and dub music with them with bass-heavy sound systems and artists like Steel Pulse, Black Slate and Linton Kwesi Johnson, the renowned Jamaican-born poet and musician. They also play music in this space, at street parties and festivals, showcasing Brixton's multicultural music and food. If you're lucky, you can sometimes smell the square before you see it. They sometimes display art here too. Nearby, you can go to the Black Cultural Archives, which celebrates the history of African and Caribbean culture in the UK. It's well worth a visit. Now, turn your gaze across the street towards Lambeth Town Hall. It's a pretty impressive building, with sculptures on all four corners of the tower representing justice, art, science and literature. But more importantly, this was one of the first places in the UK where immigrants and white British people could dance together at events called No Colour Bar. It was started to help ease the racial tensions of the 1950s. Now, we're going to walk past the second oldest cinema in England, the Ritzy, as we head to our next track, Dogstar. All right, well, we'll see you there. Dogstar opened in 1995, which made it London's first DJ bar. They also hold art shows, live music, comedy nights and market stalls so you can listen to music while you look around. It's a quirky and friendly place spread over three floors and it's hosted artists like The Prodigy, 
Massive Attack and Grandmaster Flash. It was originally actually the Atlantic Hotel, built in Victorian times. It then became a pub with the same name over 150 years ago, and they kept the Atlantic sign at the top to preserve its history. Have a look up to see if you can spot the sign. The Atlantic pub was super popular with Brixton's BAME community and was reportedly one of the few buildings in the area that didn't get targeted in the 1981 riots. They kept their doors open and carried on with business as usual. <laughs> they actually made a killing by charging journalists five quid a time to use the payphone whilst the rest of Brixton was burning. But this wasn't actually the case when it reopened as Dogstar in 1995. During the riots that very year, it was really heavily targeted. People were angry that it replaced the Atlantic. It was seen as another example of the area's gentrification, where Afro-Caribbean locals were being priced out. This is a quote we dug out from a local resident at the time. Local people are pissed off by the whole gentrification of Brixton. Council houses and houses occupied by squatters are being sold off and local pubs like the Atlantic, traditionally run by black people, was opened last week by yuppies as the Dog Star. In anger, this was smashed, looted and burnt out. And to be honest, this feeling still exists today amongst Brixton pubs. It feels like every month, traditional locals are being closed and redeveloped into swanky new gourmet pubs. Mm. But to be fair to Dogstar, they've slowly won over the locals. Thanks to their great sound system, their late licence and their regular drum and bass nights, they are now one of the most popular bars in the neighbourhood. So here we are in the famous Electric Avenue. It was built in the 1880s as a Victorian shopping centre and was the first market street in the UK to be lit with electricity, so it was pretty high-end. It was even known as the Oxford Street of the South and it sells stuff like food and clothes from all around the world because of all the different cultures in Brixton. Now, back to the song. Down in the street there is violence. <laughs> Can you tell us about the song, Ben? Uh, yeah, what a tune, by the way. I mean... Uh... Brilliant rendition as well. Thank you. That made my day. Um, so, yeah, the song was written after the 1981 Brixton riots. Eddie Grant said he'd predicted this kind of violence because he knew how many people felt left behind. He wanted to raise awareness of the issues that caused it, poverty and racism, including from the police. Eddie wrote the song in his studio in Barbados and he played every instrument. The song reached number two in the UK and US and made him one of the first black artists to be featured on MTV. Michael Jackson being the first. Right, let's walk down Electric Avenue as we make our way back towards the High Street. This is probably a good moment to speak about something truly unique to Brixton. The Brixton Pound, the neighbourhood's very own currency. It was introduced in 2009 and it's designed to keep money circulating in Brixton. It supports local businesses who are facing gentrification and encourages shops to buy their products locally too, which is also better for the environment. You can spend your Brixton pounds in over 250 places here. If you'd like to get some, we've pointed out the nearest cash machine on our Instagram hotspots. You'll also notice that Bowie's on the £10 notes. We'll get onto him in just a bit. Yeah, we will. But back to sadder stories. This avenue isn't only famous because of its electric lights and its awesome song. It was also the location of a horrific event in 1999. A neo-Nazi chose this street to plant a nail bomb in the hope of starting a race war. He planted three bombs aimed at LGBTQ plus and minority ethnic communities in Brixton, Brick Lane and Soho. The bomb in Brixton injured 39 people, but luckily a heroic shopkeeper risked his life to move the bomb to a less crowded area in Electric Avenue. Yeah, luckily the bomber got caught on CCTV and given six consecutive life sentences. Now, on to our next stop, David Bowie. 
He's one of the most iconic musicians from Britain, let alone Brixton. Can you tell us about the mural, Ben? Yeah, it shows him with his iconic lightning bolt across his face, which some people call the Ziggy Zag from the cover of his Aladdin Sane album in 1973. The image has actually become a cult symbol for his fans. But it's not exactly the same image as the Aladdin Sane cover. No, no, not exactly. Here he's doing the shush sign, which is from a famous photo shoot he did. And he's surrounded by planets, which the artist said was inspired by Bowie's Space Oddity album. It's basically a mashup of a few different cult symbols Bowie made. And there were a lot. For instance, can you spot the lightning bolt? Uh, yep. So he said the lightning bolt represents duality of mind or even schizophrenia, which his half-brother was diagnosed with and which led him to suicide. His brother introduced him to a lot of music that inspired him. Aladdin Sane was one of Bowie's personas, also inspired by schizophrenia, and the name is a pun on Alad Insane. Bowie had a lot of personas like Ziggy Stardust and the Thin White Duke. He was known for constantly reinventing himself and was even called the Chameleon. This was painted in 2013 by an Australian artist called James Cochran in a sort of pointillist style, made up of dots like some of Van Gogh's stuff. Van Gogh actually also lived around there for a while, by the way. It's a really colourful picture, which I think captures Bowie's personality well. Sadly, Bowie passed away in 2016 from liver cancer. After he died, it became a memorial, with people writing heartfelt messages on the wall next to Bowie, as well as leaving flowers. We're going to leave this place behind, but we haven't finished with Bowie yet. We'll come back to him later. Now, I want you to go back to the main road and follow it to the left. We'll meet you outside Phonox. Hi everyone, and thank you for listening. I'm Will, the producer here at Vidiguides, and what you've just heard is an extract from a much longer self-guided travel experience. You can download the full version of this tour on our app, or by visiting the Vidiguides website, which should be in this podcast show notes. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.